The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. In the studio with me is Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on a Wednesday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7. Uncle T-Bone, great to see you again, friend. How are you, man? Yeah, doing well, Jacob. Glad to be back inside the Plaza Bar and Studio uh, man, I tell you, it's a beautiful day outside, a touch chilly. I know you're loving this being from yes. the great white north. And we got a lot to talk about, man. We got the transfer portal. We got uh, the continued conversation, obviously, of what happened this past Sunday and championship weekend in the BCS. Recruiting completely heating up in college football with national early National Signing Day just a couple of weeks away at most. And uh, and the portal, man, is just, I mean, it's, it's out of control. And then college basketball. Basketball. Watched some really good games last night. I tell you, I'm getting excited. Going to head up to Atlanta this weekend and watch them uh, Auburn Tigers take on the Indiana Hoosiers. There you go. Well, there is a lot to talk about today. Uh, It is Rivalry Wednesday, which means we'll talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here in the first hour. Talk about those Georgia Bulldogs getting left out of the college football playoff and get updated on Georgia basketball as well in case you haven't been keeping up with them and then also Austin Hannon of Bama Central coming up in hour number two we'll get the thoughts of the Crimson Tide making the college football playoff and also some updates on the Alabama basketball program as well but outside of those two guys Phone lines are open. What's on your mind on this Wednesday, December 6th, 2023? Give us a call. You can be on the line with Uncle T-Bone and Jacob Goins. 334-321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. What do you want to talk about on a Wednesday afternoon? We're going to get into the transfer portal, recruiting, guys that are leaving Auburn, guys that might be coming to Auburn, other guys that have just left the portal or in the portal at leaving other schools. I mean, the quarterbacks that are in there right now is unbelievable. Uh, We're going to get into that today. As Uncle T-Bone mentioned, maybe some more college football playoff conversation, college basketball, which is just flying off the handle. I mean, there's so much to talk about today, and we're excited that you are a part of it again. 334-321-1390. Let's jump into the transfer portal stuff, Uncle T-Bone, because I I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Um, Had some good conversations about the college football playoff and the Heisman Trophy and all that good stuff uh, with our intern and show producer, Michaela. Um, But it's time to really dive into the transfer portal. And... We knew coming into the offseason, and I know Auburn still has the bowl game, but the offseason is 
kind of here. And this month of December, while it may be considered somewhat of an off season, there is no off days in this month of December. With the transfer portal that opened up on Monday, you have early signing day coming up in a couple of weeks. As you mentioned, uh, head coaches in college football are pretty much not sleeping right now because of all of the things they have to be responsible for and all the guys that they got to check up on, whether it be the ones on their own team, the high school recruits they're trying to secure, and also those transfer portal players that they're trying to add to their team. The portal being open right now needs to be changed. Uh, uh, Preach it. This is ridiculous. Preach. I'm sitting here looking at a report right now of a Florida State defensive end named Patrick Payton who just entered the transfer portal. And the the headline basically what says this, or the gist of the story says this. Peyton was seeking roughly $1 million in NIL opportunities to return to Florida State. Not just to not not to go somewhere else. It's not like he said, you know, someone contacted him, which they're not supposed to do on the side, and said, we'll give you a million to come here. He's just taking it upon himself to say, I want to be a millionaire. If you want me to stay, Florida State, I'll stay. Isn't that crazy? And they're like, no, we can't afford it. Goodbye. I'm thinking about going to Southern California, Miami, Texas, Texas A&M, or Oregon instead. This is ridiculous. And it's there's so many things right now that college football has issues with. Uh, The way they select their champion, obviously, is a massive issue. We've talked, we're going to continue to talk about that. The portal, though, in NIL, but the portal itself now, <laughs> turning itself into the highest bidder and threatening your own program that you've been with and your teammates for a couple of years that I'm out of here unless you pay me. And now you're renegotiating whatever negotiated deals you had with your own school while you're in school. All right now at the end of the season with bowl season and regular recruiting and the national championship coming up, I don't see how they keep up with it. I don't either. I really don't. And it's not fair, really, to the coaches who are having to do all of this at one time. And just want to take a sidestep really quickly here because we've got some some news about Auburn. It's breaking news. It is. It's a guy. It's another transfer portal entry uh, from the Auburn football program as of about three minutes ago, according to 247. Tyler Fromm, the tight end for Auburn, is in the transfer portal. So um, there's another one of those receivers, uh, I guess, tight ends that are in the transfer portal now. Another one that Auburn is losing. Um, somebody that was on the roster, don't really think made that much of an impact didn't have a whole lot of catches and time on the field um and so best of luck to him Uh, he's been here for a few years and so best of luck to him but add him to the list Tyler Fromm uh, the Auburn tight end has entered the transfer portal this is literally news as of a few minutes ago uh, while Uncle T-Bone was talking but no you're absolutely right because right now With the early signing period, the early signing day, which I think is ridiculous, there should not be two. That's dumb. There should not be two days for signing day for high school recruits. Make it one big day. And if you want to make it in December, fine. I don't like it. But if Mm -hmm. that's what you want to do, let's do it. Because 90% of the high school players, they sign on early signing day now. It started way back when. And it's been, it started at about 40%, then 60, then 80, and now it's about 90 to 95%. That's the numbers that I've heard uh, from people in the business. And just look at the numbers. It's facts. 
Because when February rolls around, there's about three guys that everybody's waiting for, and that's it. And then you're done. Right. And the, the signing day in February is not even exciting anymore because everything happened in December. Yeah, why not take the portal and make sure that you know there are no transfers until after the portal opens the day after the BCS championship game and then give it to uh, give it to that first February and make that portal signing day and have regular recruiting signing day in December and and that way you kind of have an extra signing day mm-hmm. right that's exciting because I can remember back following this stuff years how fun and wild and awesome that went that first Wednesday in February yep. was I mean yep. I'd be I'd call into <coughs> a little sick today uh that's right I'm not gonna be able to make it you know <laughs> at 6 30 in the morning and then watch all the signees all day it was exciting it I was, used to do that when I was growing up in yeah. middle school and high school keeping up with it on sure. uh, on computer lab computers and tablets back in the day right and just watching Auburn get the biggest names and I remember when Byron Cowart committed to Auburn right. and signed on national yeah, signing yeah when he day. had that little Chucky doll with yeah, yeah and I can I can going back remember when Stanley McGlover was a big pickup on and then and, and people would be like the big dogs walk late Uncle T Bone <laughs> and and it was a lot of fun and now it's just kind of like ho hum and really they kind of sneak in the the regular signing day or they call it it is the de facto signing day although yeah. they call it early signing period so just make it that and then don't let people get into the portal until after the bowl games and at least make them try and play a game for you i mean the the bowls are a wash now they well i've They're, said that i mean anyway. this florida state georgia game is such a joke it was a joke for the for the championship committee to match up florida state and really weak for them against Georgia, hoping Georgia would do their dirty work for them, in my opinion, so they could say, I told you so, Florida State shouldn't have been in. And and then and then Which you, you know what you know is gonna happen. You're seeing all these transfers on both teams, right? And and Florida State's got multiple. Georgia's gonna have multiple or people opt out if I'm Brock Bowers, I'm not playing at the game. Are you crazy? Mm-mm. And because I'm going to the NFL and getting paid. So and, and I knew know what's gonna happen. Florida State's gonna end up winning the game, and then everyone's gonna be like, Well, Georgia had a lot of people transfer and opt out, so it doesn't matter. And and that's and they still shouldn't have been in. Speaking of Georgia, you bring up an interesting topic there. When you look at the latest transfer portal guys that have entered from the Georgia program, I'm not going to name the names yet, but I'm just going to name the stars that are in, okay? Four-star, 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 three-star, four-star, four-star, two-star, five-star. Those are the guys that are leaving the Georgia football program right now through the transfer portal. One of those guys has already committed to another school, and that is Brock Vandegrift. The four-star quarterback who's staying in the SEC, staying in the SEC East because he was one of those big-time quarterbacks that Georgia had, three of them to be exact, who sat on the bench and never played because of the things that Carson Beck has done this year. And credit to Carson Beck. He's a really good quarterback. He's playing well for Georgia. But Brock Vandergriff has gone and committed to the Kentucky Wildcats. So another big quarterback has gone to Kentucky, gone to Lexington with Coach Stoops. I think that's really interesting. I think it's a great fit for him. But my point is here, look at those guys. Look at those stars that are entering the transfer portal from Georgia. They can afford to lose four and five stars right now, Uncle T-Bone. Yeah, Ohio State, I saw a list that was very similar to that star-wise. It may have been even more impressive. Um, The Brock Vandergriff kid going to Kentucky 
you know, that's a great pickup for them. What bothers me about this is he immediately puts his name into the portal, okay? And then I'm sitting there like, huh, I wonder if that would be somebody that, you know, Auburn would look at. Not saying they should, just being like, you know, I'm a Tiger fan. There's been rumblings before on message boards Numerous. that, he, that yeah. Auburn would be interested in him for years now. And mm-hmm. he's, why is he wasting his town over there? And I'm like, hey, man, maybe you should go to Auburn. You know, I'm looking around. And then like 10 minutes later, it's just, well, he's going to Kentucky. And then it's announced <laughs> that he's going to Kentucky. And I'm like, this is like some dude dating a chick, right? And she breaks up with him, but says, hey, you know, I don't really want to date anybody. And then and then next weekend, they're out dating. Yeah. She's out dating somebody else. That's there's There had to have been contact and tampering there. Which is something that Hugh Freeze talked about a couple of weeks ago in his final press conference was, with all of this going on at the same time, right, with the transfer portal opening so early, and guys can even announce my intent to enter the transfer portal, right? You're telling me that when some four- or five-star quarterback, and I'm not saying it was in Brock Vandergriff's situation, but let's just use a four-star quarterback, for example, a really high-rated four-star, borderline five-star guy, okay? A four-star, highly-rated four-star quarterback at whatever name school enters, well, not even does that, intends to enter the transfer portal, right? He sends out the graphic, thanks so much, school X and coaches X, Y, and Z, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm Mm-hmm. I intend to enter my name in the transfer portal next week when it opens up, talking about last week. You're telling me there's not a single school, assistant coach, other player, fan that reaches out, donor that reaches out to that kid and says, hey, have you thought about us? Have you thought about this team? Have you seen what we're doing this year? It happens everywhere, Uncle T-Bone, and it's ridiculous because it's wildly accepted now because of what the NCAA has done with the transfer portal, with NIL, with recruiting, and it's all happening at the same time, and yet the governing body can't do anything about it. And it's ugly. It is disgusting because it's open cheating, basically. And we're just like, well, that's the name of the game, and if you don't do it, you're going to get left behind. There was reports earlier this week that Charlie Baker, the head of the NCAA, is looking to break off – Several of the FBS schools and go into a more unified manner of paying players. I talked is, about that in detail yesterday. Yeah, which yeah. is our uh, which is our theory, obviously, that we've been talking about for a long time. Or anybody with any sense that follows college football, that there will be a official minor league system for the elite teams eventually with structured payments and playoffs and rules and but the difference with that one was it was under the ncaa umbrella right right and who knows if it will stay that way or not but we do know that that's obviously where it has to go eventually because the rules are right now there really are no rules and if there are no one's going to enforce them but you know what jacob i'm with the players here now after what happened this past weekend and i'll tell you why this kid, uh, this quarterback that got injured down at Florida State, Jordan Travis, that ESPN just basically blamed for his entire team because of his injury not getting into the college football playoffs despite them being undefeated. I mean, if you're going to lay down all that blame on me because my leg was broken in a football game and then basically just throw my name to the wolves – and use me up to make millions upon millions of dollars, but even though the rest of my teammates get us across the finish line that you're just going to say, nah, we don't need you anymore, then I'm going to get as much of mine as I possibly can while I'm healthy, and I think every one of these players should. Yeah, and there's so many reports, too, 
and not even really reports, but players coming out. And I think this is interesting, and it's something that we discussed when NIL was created, and it's the guarantee of payment to these players. And how, how can you protect players from getting their money, but how can you also protect the universities and the programs from not shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars for a player that may not even step on the field, right? If you don't get your money's worth for what you're paying for, because that's what it is, right? There's so many players coming out now talking about, yeah, I never got my money from this guy. I never got my money from this school. They promised me this, this, and this, but I only got this. And then they said, yeah, we can't help you. And like, it's just wild, man. It's absolutely wild yep. with, with it's dirty, man. That's, that's the word I come up with is dirty. And just for fun, this is what tells you how crazy the transfer portal is right now. Talked about Tyler Fromm. What was that? Eight minutes ago? Ten minutes ago? Yeah, somebody else has already entered. Not from Auburn, but another edge player, Lloyd Summerall from USF. Ten minutes in, and there's another guy in the transfer portal. That tells you all you need to know about how crazy that is right now. Yeah, look, this is just a boondoggle, too, for all these... Uh, boondoggle. Yeah, that's like right, it. for all these... Uh, people in the media like us who cover college football because the content will never end with this transfer portal and you know there's there's recruiting rankings that we followed for years and now Jacob they've come out with a separate rankings on all the on threes and rivals for who's leading in the portal in in recruiting in Kentucky shockers number one right now how about that I mean you got to be kidding me I'm looking at Auburn's transfers real quick I know we need to take a break but are there any names really here that we're worried about losing? Tyler Fromm, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Jair Shorter, Enos Sledge, Stephen Sings, and Stephen Johnson? Well, why don't we talk about it when we come back? Here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. We're here talking the transfer portal, NIL, recruiting, you name it. We're talking about it. We got a few minutes before Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us for part one of Rivalry Wednesday. And T-Bone, you were talking about, before we left, the guys that have left Auburn in the transfer portal and... Is it a concern for Auburn fans, the fact that these guys are in the portal? I'll answer your question. I don't think so. Um, I just don't think that these guys leaving are the biggest impact losses. I mean, I think Malcolm Johnson Jr. is probably the one that most people would point out. I mean, he's a four-star, right? He, he had some plays here and there, but he also had a lot of inconsistencies oh, when yeah. he was on the football field, and it it... it it hurts because I expected more. I expected him to be maybe the guy to step up. And if you remember going into the season for Auburn, we were like, okay, you've got all these receivers, whether they transferred in or high school recruits or returning guys, you've got a handful of six or seven of them. Who's it going to be, right? Who's going to step up for Auburn to catch the football? And that was a question that here we are after the entire 2023 season, we don't have an answer. No. We do not have an answer. And I thought it could have been Malcolm Johnson. My Turns out it wasn't. And he's in the transfer portal uh, along with a handful of other receivers as well. Yeah, my big bet, if you remember, uh, in August, it was going to be Cam Brown. Uh, boy, that 
you know, he made a couple of catches and a lot of drops this year, you know, but okay, let me say something about this portal. And, and I'm looking at these players that Auburn's losing right now. None of these players are going to get big time NIL deals to go anywhere, in my opinion. They'll get some interest and some money or some opportunity, but I, I would bet that out of these six players, you want to hear them? Tyler Fromm, tied in, for, uh, former four-star. Malcolm Johnson, Jr., wide receiver, former four-star. Jair Shorter, he was a transfer in last year, I believe, from North Texas. He's a former three-star. Enos Sledge, a three-star defensive lineman. Steven Sings, I think, was a transfer in three-star. And Steven Johnson, a three-star. They're not going to go to a program better than Auburn. They're taking a step back. But this, to me, shows really and truly why you shouldn't always get so super excited about recruiting. Because I can promise you that the moment that every one of these players committed or transferred to Auburn, we were all like, oh, yeah, that's the one we've been missing, Jacob. There he is, Enos Sledge. Check this kid out. Defensive lineman. 62311 out of Louisiana. We must have stolen from LSU and you know they get the the dogs down there on their defensive linemen. So this this portal thing's also very indicative of how you know, I don't want to say inaccurate, but how uh recruiting is is not a certain. And I think too, I think what it shows is it's an inexact science is what I'm looking for. I think that's fair. And I think it also proves that the portal, as teams have proven to us in the flesh, right, in, in person as we can see with our own two eyeballs, using the transfer portal is not an end-all, be-all. No, it is not the way to get to the top. It's not built for that. It never was built for that. And it has not worked so far. If somebody uses it moving forward and they are successful with it, credit to them good for them and more power to them but that's not what it's for and i think that just enhances the importance of high school recruiting and where has hugh freeze and this staff focused most of their attention to high school recruiting. absolutely they're killing it in the high school recruiting game whether it comes to receivers or defensive guys or offensive linemen right or even quarterbacks they're bringing guys in Because that's the way you win in college football. You can use the portal to fill in the gaps, but you have to use high school recruiting. And I think this just proves that each and every year. Because what's the biggest argument about the transfer portal? Well, there's a reason they're transferring. And most of the time, they've got a point. I think that that used to be the point, but now we're seeing from what I opened up the show with and that kid in Florida State, he's transferring because he wants to get paid. Which is a whole new and somebody, a whole new branch of it. So that's a whole new branch of it. Yes, I think for, for all of these kids right here, they're transferring for a reason, and it's because basically they're gonna, they were going to be dead weight on this program moving forward. And that's tough to say about a kid, and I'm sorry, but that's the business of college football right now. But you're exactly right, Jacob. There are two ways right now, maybe two and a half ways to really build your program. And you got to and I think you're going to see schools kind of split off now. The inexact science of recruiting, I can tell you one thing about it that's not inexact. If you're in the top 5 every year like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and you continually do that year after year after year after year, you're going to be in the top 10 every year in college football fact. Mhm. Okay? But 
I think you're about to see schools do what Auburn's doing, what Georgia's been doing, what Alabama's been doing, what Ohio State's been doing, and you're going to see Auburn really start to focus on this, high school recruiting. And if there's excess NIL money, are you going to go give it to the Jair Shorters of the world or the Cam Coleman's of the world? There you go. And then you've got programs which creates a little bit more parity and help for them like Mississippi State who don't have that excess NIL, they can go out and they can start really recruiting the portal hard. And they're going to be like Jackie Sherrill used to be with JUCO recruits, and their recruiting class going to have about 15 kids in it and about 25 transfers. And where they can go and make an impact on a different program, on a different team, with a different staff. And I like it for the kids going there because at least they're getting to showcase their abilities now somewhere in an SEC team, just not the top-level ones. When we come back, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer, as we get underway on a Rivalry Wednesday here during On the Line on ESPN 1067. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, halfway through hour number one here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Uncle T-Bone with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And as we start every Rivalry Wednesday with at 2.30 on Wednesdays, it's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, our Georgia beat writer over in Athens. Jordan, it's a busy time. Uh, we appreciate you and your time and uh, hope all things are well for you uh, over in the state next door. Definitely. Uh, you know, I'd say uh, Georgia fans, any of them listening, probably not quite as excited to, to hear me on after this past weekend. But no, it's uh, definitely a busy time of year and definitely plenty to talk about. Well, we got to jump into the obvious and one of the biggest talking points of of sports the last couple of days is is the recap of of championship weekend in college football of course the sec championship game and then the release of the final four the final four college football playoff teams before the expansion to 12 next year we're going to get into that but let's get to the championship game first where georgia came in as undefeated number one team in the country taking on alabama once again in atlanta and they fall by three to the crimson tide uh, there in Atlanta, uh, the Alabama comes in, wins the SEC championship once again. Give us your thoughts and just kind of break it down for us, Jordan, what you saw on the perspective of Georgia. You know, it really boiled down to, to me, just how small the margin for error is when you play a team of Alabama's caliber. You know, it's a three-point game, and you look at a few moments throughout that game for Georgia that, you know, really loom large in the aftermath. I mean, I think about – I believe it was in the first half that Peyton Woodring was lining up for about a 45-yard goal goal, which is well within his range. False start on one of the offensive linemen, moves it back 50 yards. He hits it off the upright, and it falls short no good. There's three points right there. And then uh, at one point in the game, I'm trying to remember when exactly it was, they tried to run an end around uh, with uh, Carson Beck pitching it to Dylan Bell. Um, Dylan couldn't handle the pitch. I'm still not sure whose fault it was, but ball falls on the turf. Alabama recovers on like the Georgia 11. And credit to Georgia's defense, they did not allow a touchdown on that drive. 
that was another three points. Alabama kicks a field goal. I mean, you know, there were mistakes left and right that added up for Georgia. You know, you look at the numbers, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow, he didn't exactly light up the Georgia defense. 13 and 23, 192 yards, two touchdowns, only rushed for 29 yards. Um, but he made the plays when, Georgia, when Alabama had to have them. Um, some big plays. There was a fourth down that they converted on that was huge in the second half of that game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Georgia coming out of this game, um, there's a lot of moments where you can't help but uh, think back and say, what what would happen if this happened? What would happen if we didn't do this? Um, it's a game that I think is going to sting for a lot of people within the program for quite some time. And uh, I don't think it's going to be one that uh, anyone around Athens forgets uh, anytime soon. Jordan, uh, really right before the half, 10-7 game, Alabama's driving, gets to be fourth down. Uh, Isaiah Bond makes a heck of a catch or maybe not a catch. How come there was no timeout called there and, and to make sure that that thing was officially reviewed? I know the SEC came out with a, a statement or an article basically saying that they reviewed it, but that was no official review like the big catch that Georgia had in the second half. Definitely, and Kirby was asked right after the game about why he didn't challenge that play, and his explanation was that you know, they look at the reviews up in the booth and he essentially took the fact that they did not call for a review that the booth didn't review it on their own as, you know, justification not to review it. He said, you know, he didn't want to waste the time out if they didn't think it was worth reviewing. So it's one of those things that, you know, we're, we've, I've seen a million screenshots of that play on Twitter since it happened. Uh, you know, a lot of people looking at different angles. And I, I think it's fair to you know, look at that play and critique it. And, you know, Georgia fans have been upset about how the game was officiated, but it's just one of those moments that I think even if you take it out, there's other plays that Alabama made that Georgia failed to. Um, that one definitely is going to linger for Georgia fans, um, but I feel confident in saying that is not the only reason uh, Georgia fell short in that game. After the SEC championship game, after Georgia fell to Alabama 27-24, they were 12-1 and on the year. They were undefeated in regular season conference play. Their only loss on the year was to three to, to Alabama by three points. Jordan, I'm curious, before we talk about what actually happened on Sunday afternoon, what was your confidence level that Georgia was still going to be in the college football playoff? And maybe how were the fans feeling that, that evening and early Sunday morning about if the dogs were going to be in the Final Four? I think there were fans that were optimistic. I had a pretty good feeling they were not going to make the playoff off of that loss. And, you know, uh, I think Auburn has a lot to to do with that. I mean, the fact that Alabama only had one loss. I mean, the fact that Alabama completed that fourth and 31, you know, I knew there would be no way to justify putting in Georgia over Alabama, each with one loss and Alabama with a head-to-head. And I wrote about this uh, on Sunday after the announcement was made, but I had made mention of it. Uh, the day before the game and just said, look, there is a real chance that Georgia gets left out because of how deep this playoff, uh, you know, list of playoff contenders is, you know, they definitely can't afford to feel like, okay, we lost, but we can still make the playoff. And, you know, Kirby smart after the game was really um, trying to advocate for Georgia. I understand that's his job. I mean, it would be silly for him to be like, nah, you know, we, we shouldn't make the playoff, but, I think fans were pretty optimistic, you know, trying to hold out hope. Uh, and just for me, though, understanding who all was still in the hunt, 
and you know the cases that a team like Alabama and a team like Texas, Texas, which beat Alabama, which beat Georgia, um, I felt pretty confident they were not going to make the playoff uh, by the time the announcement was made. Well, Georgia will head down to Miami now, Jordan, take on Florida State in the Orange Bowl before we get more into detail about that game, possible opt-outs and whatever you want to discuss about it. Do you think that Florida State should have been in the Final Four? Definitely. I think they should have been the fourth team, and I think it should have been Alabama 5 and Georgia 6. I just don't think you can justify leaving out an undefeated team that beat LSU and beat Florida. And, you know, the committee held against them the fact Jordan Travis was out. But to me, I think it's more impressive that they continued winning with their third-string quarterback. I mean, I know Louisville wasn't at the quality of a playoff team, but they were still really good. I think they were ranked 20th in the uh, most recent playoff ranking. So uh, I, I understand why Florida State people are very upset. I think they have every right to be. And I can understand Alabama fans hearing me say this and say, well, that's sour grapes because, you know, they beat Georgia. But, I mean, I I think Alabama had a better case than Georgia did, but it's hard for me to argue with an undefeated team like Florida State and uh, say that they should be left out of the playoffs. Well, Uncle T-Bone mentioned it a second ago as we speak with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on Rivalry Wednesday during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. When it comes to this bowl game, uh, I don't know. We don't really know what it's going to look like because of the transfer portal now and all the people opting out for the NFL or going in the transfer portal. Uh, Georgia has a, a not a deep list of guys in the portal, but some big names that are in the portal and big stars in the portal as well uh what what can you tell us on that side of things with the bowl game coming up and what georgia has already lost in the portal and what could be coming up on that side of things yeah you know not a ton as far as opt-outs to this point we talked to kirby smart on a zoom call on sunday and he basically said you know it's too soon to tell really who's going to opt out he said that they were going to give the players a few days to kind of decompress which is totally understandable after the way that sec title game went um, you know, I think later in this week, you know, he'll have a better sense of who is and who is not available. As far as opt-outs, nothing um, – not opt-outs, transfer portal guys. Um, nothing that really affects the starting lineup so far. Um, you know, it looks like the biggest name so far has been Brock Vandegrift, who was the backup quarterback, who I wouldn't have anticipated to see in that game had he stuck around. Um, very interesting, Jared Zirkle, the kickoff specialist, he's put his name in the portal – uh, but he told the Athens Banner Herald uh, that he still plans to play in that Orange Bowl um, before he moves on and uh, finds another destination. So right now, you know, the roster is pretty much intact, other than a bunch of backups uh, who went in the portal and uh, you know are getting ready to start somewhere else. Uh, but I, I do expect you know we'll see probably a few more names not only go in the portal, maybe a few guys opt out um, before we get to that game on December thirtieth. Jordan, the Dogs now on a four-game winning streak in basketball, taking care of Winthrop at Florida State, in-state Mercer, and then last night a game I watched uh, against in-state Georgia Tech. Looks like the schedule sets up nicely for the rest of the year with four very winnable games before SEC play at Missouri on January 6th. What a, is there a buzz kind of building over in Athens about this team possibly getting back to being a uh, – Oh, I don't know, a tournament team? Uh, There's definitely some excitement, and I do think it's a little too soon to to be talking about the tournament, but they've done a very good job. They've lined themselves up well 
to by the time we get to January be talking about a team that's sitting at ten and three. And those losses are pretty good ones. I mean, Oregon, Miami, and Providence. And uh, that Providence game was a pretty close one. So yeah, I mean, they've done a good job. You know, they got a transitive win over Duke because of beating Georgia Tech. I don't know that I would have said that uh, this counts. season. But, it counts. But. Yeah, that should go on the resume. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, they played really good defense. I think if they can get into a flow offensively that they've got a chance to, you know, they're not going to be in the top six or so in the SEC, but I think they can hang around 8, 9, 10 uh, and be sort of on that NCAA tournament bubble. I think NIT, to me, is still the most realistic thing. But, again, they've, they've done a very good job. They've sh- uh, shaken off a few rough showings over the course of – November and now that we're in early December and uh, it's kind of on them to just take care of business in December because they should be able to win all the games left on their schedule before the new year and get in some momentum because it's going to be a pretty tough start to SEC play for them uh, by the time we get to January. Yeah, Missouri on the road to start, then Arkansas and a ranked Tennessee team, then on the road at South Carolina and Kentucky. Those are the first five games of SEC play, man. You're going to find out a lot about this Georgia team early in conference play in the month of January. Something that I always get concerned with, Jordan, with this month of December in college basketball, it's so weird because you have a team like Georgia that's playing High Point, Mount St. Mary's, North Florida, and Alabama A&M in four straight games to end non-conference play. And something I get kind of scared about, if it's Auburn or anybody else, is maybe a little bit of complacency and not really improving or getting better in those games. Just kind of go in, win, and move on. Any any concern for you there? I mean, that's definitely a danger. And, you know, you have to wonder what attendance is going to be like in these games in Stegman. I mean, I look at the last game of the year – Alabama A&M is December 30th, and uh, guys, that that happens to be when the Orange Bowl is. And uh, and (laughs) no no disrespect to Mike White and uh, and everyone in the program, but there's not going to be that many Georgia fans who are going to say, I'd rather watch the basketball team than the football team. But, yeah, I mean, you know, when the students are away, I I think the attendance is going to take a hit. Um, It was a very good crowd, I thought, last night in Stegman for that Georgia Tech game. But, yeah, I think that they need to show up, continue to play hard, uh, they've had, uh, you know, a couple of rough outings and games where they were very clearly the superior team. I think about North Carolina Central, um, I guess that was a few weeks ago at this point. So, yeah, I mean, again, you are the favorite. you got to play like you are. And uh, if you do, you know, you, you will have a little bit of momentum going into, like we just talked about, a very difficult stretch of games in SEC play. The Georgia Bulldogs 6-3 and three in basketball. Got four uh, games that they can win and have a pretty good schedule and a pretty good record, I should say, uh, before they get into SEC play. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday during On the Line right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for Rivalry Wednesday. We appreciate him. We appreciate his time. Jordan, let everybody know where they can find you, all your great content at Dogs 247, and what you got coming up for uh, the rest of, the, of December with Transfer Portal and the bowl game and college basketball. Definitely, dogs247.com. I would encourage everybody. we got a 60% off sale that ends at midnight tonight. If you want to come on with us at Dogs247 over or at Auburn Undercover, they have the same sale going on. Uh, go join Jason Caldwell, Nathan King, and those guys. Uh, but also on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill, on Twitter at Dogs247. So 
Busy time of year. If I had to guess, there's probably been four players going the portal by the time we've been doing this radio yet. But uh, always something going on, and uh, definitely a very interesting time, both in football and on uh, the men's basketball side. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. We appreciate you as always, and we'll get back with you next week. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about in the transfer portal side of things, Jordan. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 2.30 here on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up hour number one here during the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Shout out to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 for joining us on the phone lines as he does every Wednesday. Great things to talk about uh, with Georgia. I know they're maybe not as happy uh, right now with missing out on the playoff, but a great breakdown from Jordan Hill. And and look, he said come, come Saturday night after the loss, he was pretty confident they weren't going to make it. And when he kind of put it into perspective, yeah, Georgia and Alabama, both one-loss teams. One has the win over the other one and the SEC championship. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's the argument that can be made. And, of course, Alabama made the Final Four, so. Yeah, I, I don't think – I think you'd have had to leave another undefeated team out to slide Georgia in. And I just don't think that – and I think Georgia healthy could play with any team in the Final Four right now and might even be a favorite over most of them mm-hmm. on a neutral field. Yeah. Even though we just saw Alabama win that game, I mean, Georgia did not play well in that game. And they still almost won. And they still almost won. So very healthy, have, give them a month. I think that I think that Georgia but, – but I just don't think the committee had the stomach to leave out two undefeated Power Five conference teams. And which one would you have left out, Michigan or Washington? I mean, so, you know, Georgia's one of the best four teams in college football – and they got the shaft too yeah they did and and what comes down to it is what jordan said and what i've been saying the right move was to leave the sec out but we know that was never going to happen well i think i mean we're not going to get i'm maybe we are florida state earned the right to get in there in my opinion but they got left out and you know i mean what what are you going to do college football is never always going to do the right thing and oftentimes they don't speaking of georgia jacob i just saw this i wish we'd got jordan's thoughts on this uh Sort of breaking news. It's it's looking like Georgia's 2024 football schedule has been uh, has been revealed. It's been leaked to the press. I saw this over at SEC Mike. That's Michael Bratton over there on Twitter. And this is a brutal schedule. Check this one out. Starts out on eight th- two buys next next year for football teams in the SEC. By the way, I hadn't seen that in a while. They'll open up against Clemson in Atlanta, Tennessee Tech at Kentucky bye week. At Alabama, mm. Auburn, Mississippi State, at Texas, another bye week, then finish the season off in November beginning on 11-2. That's Florida at Ole Miss, Tennessee, UMass, and Georgia Tech. That's a brutal schedule, folks. Yes, it is. And I think this will be one of the very few times in the last few years that people cannot complain about Georgia's schedule and complain of how easy it is um, and how they play in the SEC East, right? Because guess what? That's not a thing anymore. The SEC East and the SEC West, you don't play all the teams from one side and have a crossover or two. Look at what Georgia's got to do, man. They open up with Clemson, who is never an easy out, and I hope they get better to make that a better game because, man, if those two teams played right now, I think Georgia would 
would have their way. But I don't know. Clemson was playing a lot better towards the end of the year after they, they got were. the phone call from Tyler and Spartanburg. <laughs> I, I anticipate that Clemson will be a little bit better team next year, especially if Dabo Sweeney will get in the transfer portal just a little bit. Yeah, but look at this. I mean, you have at Kentucky, you have that bye on September 21st, at Alabama, and then you turn around, and the very next week, hello, here's Auburn. And we know Auburn, expect Auburn to be better next year and continuing to get better. Anybody that has to play Alabama and Auburn a back-to-back week, that should be illegal. And I'm sure there's Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans that are out there saying, yeah, we do it all the time. But then you have Mississippi State at Texas with them coming to the SEC. How fun is that going to be? Still the neutral side against Florida. On the road in Oxford taking on Ole Miss. Tennessee coming to Athens and Georgia Tech coming to Athens. So you do get three straight home games right you get those three straight home games at the end but dude that's a brutal schedule for the dogs and guess what it's about time well a couple of these teams that haven't been good against georgia for a long time and are natural rivals including georgia tech and auburn both will be improved next year and Mm -hmm. auburn should be much improved and much more explosive that's a very tough schedule within a month's time they'll have to go to at alabama and at texas that's two playoff teams this season and probably be vying for another one next year i texted jordan hill just a second ago asking him about your thoughts because we didn't get to ask him he said pretty tough month from late september to late october he said i don't see them going undefeated with that schedule so there you go well I, go. I just don't think there's going to be many uh many easy schedules now in the sec anymore with texas and oklahoma coming in and you're doing away with divisions Most teams, all these schedules are going to be pretty difficult. Hour number one in the books. Stay tuned. We'll have more coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Hour number one is in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. I'm Jacob Goins. Joining me as he does every Monday, Wednesday, Friday is Uncle T-Bone. As we get you set for hour number two, we had Jordan Hill on in hour number one. Talked a lot of transfer portal stuff as well with Auburn uh, and just in general as well uh, with all that craziness going on. So that was in the first hour. You can find the podcast, the show on demand, wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. Coming up here in hour number two, we'll have more of Rivalry Wednesday with Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. He'll join us coming up in about 30 minutes. We'll talk some more Auburn. We'll talk some more Transfer Portal. And we want to talk to you as well on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And that's where we go to start hour number two. And Ed, you're on the line, man. How are you? I'm doing good, Jacob, and uh, 
Dr. T-Bone, is that right? There yeah. it is, yep. Uh, Uncle T-Bone, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, guys. Uh, hey, I, I was just going to uh, talk about a couple of things uh, real quick. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, uh, the quarterbacks that are coming out this year, uh, you know, every year everybody makes such a big deal out of uh, the quarterback, and uh, without a doubt, it's the most important position in professional sports, football, basketball, and you got to have. But every year we hear all these, uh, it's not just uh, media people, and I'm not, I'm not talking about y'all, I'm, I'm talking about ESPN, you know, the mm-hmm. Mel Coppers, everybody, uh, explaining to us how this guy is, I uh, can't miss this guy, is a can't miss. And then we see, you know, it, it is so just absolutely tickles me to death what Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is doing. The last guy selected in the draft at San Francisco. Yeah. And and so I, I think your your listeners, what I'm trying to do is to tell them that they, they are every bit as intelligent that the people that – do you know how many people, that, how many millions of dollars that, that the people that drafted Matt Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, these people get paid millions of dollars, and, and they're no smarter than you know your average Joe, really. And 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 like this year, okay, this year we have three quarterbacks coming out, uh, you know. Uh, I think there's three that's coming out that's going to be at the Heisman, and then two mm-hmm. that won't be at the Heisman. I don't, I don't think Caleb or Drake may. Both of those are still going, right? Yeah, well, I, Caleb's not sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Caleb hasn't decided yet. Yeah, but he yeah. he's not in the Heisman, but he hasn't decided what he wants to do yet. But but then the other three, you know, Phoenix, Bo Nix, and uh, Jaden Daniels. Uh, yeah, I I think all three of those. So that's five good quarterbacks and. Anybody's going to look at that and say, well, any one of those guys can be good. Mm-hmm. But statistics not only tell you that at least three of those five, if not four of them, are going to fail, and that some people, some other quarterbacks that are taken after them are going to, you know, wind up being the ones that are the superstars, Tom Brady, you know. Right, um, yeah, and you know, it, it comes down to being a, it's a gamble, right? It really is a gamble, and, it, it, yeah. and you know, a lot of it has to do with, with the team they get drafted by and the coaches that are there and the other players around them and all that, and that's what makes the NFL so difficult, and that's why a lot of those guys get paid. But, yeah, they're not all going to be successful superstar Super Bowl winners, Ed. You're right about that. But 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 the, but the people, you, Keyshawn Johnson, people, you know, some people like that mm-hmm. act a lot. Uh, if, if you just disagree with that, hey, that hey, you just an idiot because he's got everything, and then it doesn't work out. Right. So I, I, it's it's just kind of. But uh, the, uh, the other thing I was going to tell you, I just mentioned real quickly, and I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I saw the offensive lineman that Auburn, you know. 2026, and I, I, I couldn't be happier with how uh, uh, Coach Freeze is building the roster. As far as he's looking at the trenches, he's you know he's I, I, I think he's doing a great job, and, and you know mm-hmm. I, I think next year I think 
Yeah, well, he's recruiting out and he's recruiting the guys in the trenches that matter, and we know that's what you have to have uh, to win, not just in college football, but in the SEC, Ed. No, all right. Hey, one more thing I was going to ask y'all. I'm looking for a, a place, and I've, I've been through Auburn. I've been through a bunch of places to get uh, uh, jerseys. And, and do you know where the best, best place to go would be? For a jersey? Uh, well, a, a, a T-shirt or, or just Auburn memorabilia. Um, I mean, it, it kind of just depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Are you looking for just like, uh, yeah, something to wear? Or are you looking for like autograph type of stuff? Uh, well, uh, uh, well, uh, I'll call you tomorrow and tell, tell you more about what I'm okay. talking about. Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Ed. 334-321-1390. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you calling in. And look, Ed, Ed has a point, right, talking about these guys coming out of college, the biggest names in, in that are going to be in the NFL draft. I mean, it's a gamble. It's same thing, same thing with the transfer portal. And look, same thing with high school recruiting as well. It's all a gamble. Like you are, you are hoping that your analysis of these guys is correct and that your system is going to fit them properly and the quarterback in particular. And it's all a gamble. Like, yeah, I mean, some people get paid a lot more money to do it than we do, but it still is a risk to take any of these guys at any of the levels. Now, I'm going to agree with Ed that if you don't have a quarterback, if you're in the NFL to the NFL, the Neighborhood Football League to the National Football League. You really don't have a chance. Well, let's talk about real quick how many quarterbacks there are to pick from and why I think sometimes it becomes very difficult for these, uh, for these not ADs in the pro, but these general managers. You've got a quarterback who won the Heisman last year in Williams. You got Patrick Nix, you got Jaden Daniels, got Michael Penix Jr. There's four quarterbacks to choose from there, but let's just go real quick the top 10 quarterbacks in the portal and some of the players included in there. They're great players that could play in the NFL one day. Cameron Ward, Will Howard, Riley Leonard, Dylan Gabriel, Kyle McCord, Will Rogers, Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, there are quarterbacks everywhere now in college football coming up to the NFL because back in the day, they didn't throw it around like they do, and there was no spread offense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you take a big risk unless you know you just got that once-in-a-lifetime quarterback like Cam Newton who can do it all, and it's just a physical beast. You take a massive – or C.J. Stroud. You take a massive risk taking a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. Just look at what happens to Mac Jones. Yeah, look at Mac Jones. I mean, look at Bryce Young right now and what the Panthers traded away for him. The list is the worst I've ever seen, and they have, what, one win on the year? I mean, they're they're a horrible team, and he's – not that he's a horrible quarterback by any means, but it just hasn't worked out for him yet. So it really is uh, – it's a risk and a gamble is the best word that I can come up with. 334-321-1390. We've got John in Auburn. You're on the line with Jacob Goins and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, Jacob. Hey, T-Bone. How's everything going today? Going great, man. What's on your mind? Hey, I was going to say, I'm a, uh, I'm a lifelong Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and I'm, uh, and I'm almost 40, so that tells you how I am. I'm so sorry. No, I mean, there's an element of luck in that, too. I mean, you look at Jacksonville – they have who I believe is a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and you're the number one seed in the AFC with a win, but you host Cincinnati in your first Monday night game in a dozen years, and Jake Browning plays incredible against yeah. you, and you get beaten, and now who knows, you're, you're kind of fighting for the division. So there's a luck, there's luck in this element, too, with GMs. 
And it's not necessarily finding guys at the top of the draft board. It's finding uh, finding undrafted free agents and guys you can bring in uh, to be successful as backups. But I had a question. I had two questions on the uh, on the playoffs for you, if you don't okay. mind. Go go for it. Yeah. So you know, something I was thinking about is let's say Georgia and Alabama would have both been voted out of the playoffs, and Florida State would have been the four seed. T-Bone, you'll remember this, I think. In 96, at the end of the season, Auburn was slated to play Notre Dame in the Independence Bowl, and Notre Dame declined the invitation because they said playing in the Independence Bowl would, like, irreparably harm the reputation of Notre Dame football. I know Notre Dame's independent. Could schools do that, or could Georgia and Alabama both would the SEC have allowed that one? And my second question is, had Auburn beaten Alabama and Alabama beaten Georgia, I'm of the opinion the committee would have taken a one-loss Georgia over an undefeated Georgia, uh, Florida State. Just wanted y'all's comments on that. Yeah, right. thanks so much, John. Yeah, first of all, there's no way the SEC is going to let a team opt out of a bowl. It's not going to happen. I think I think Greg Sankey has too high of of standards for this conference and, right. and too much of a of a higher uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but I think he just holds this conference to higher standards than that. Yeah, I, I can recall when that happened with Notre Dame uh, declining. You know, I think some of that was unofficially official, right? It was like, don't invite us, we're not going to take it. So they didn't get the invite. And then Auburn ended up playing Army in that game, and it was a one-point victory, and it was a heck of a football game. And uh, and, and that was on New Year's Eve, I believe, of 1996. A little bit before my time. Yeah, it was a good game. Damian Craig was the quarterback there. How about um, that? His other question, it was about opt-out. There was one other question in there. It was I about the, the Alabama, if Auburn had beaten Alabama. Okay, yeah. And and would they have would they have allowed Georgia if if Auburn had beaten Alabama and Alabama right. had beaten Georgia because they were going to the SEC championship game regardless of what the Iron Bowl was would they have put a one loss non SEC champ Georgia into the college football playoff over an undefeated Florida State and my answer to you John is you better believe they would have so if Auburn would have beat Alabama they'd have had two losses yep and then they'd have won the SEC championship game but they would not have made it. No. And so you would have still had uh, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and that final four spot would have been Florida State or Georgia. If everything had played out exactly like it did, except Auburn beating Alabama the week before. They would have put Georgia in there. You should have heard Desmond Howard's comments today. If you have not, check them out. You'll have to hunt them down. He was on a show where he basically said, and admitted three weeks ago they were setting this up to get a – SEC team in over FSU three weeks ago Jordan Travis wasn't hurt Jacob I mean that this thing was rigged for an SEC team to get in there from Jump Street I oh. mean you know it, it, it's just blatantly yeah. obvious that now if you believe their rankings now which I don't I don't think you can believe their rankings I think for whatever reason nobody thinks that Florida if that Florida State won't be in the final four in these rankings they should not have been ranked ahead of Georgia or Ohio State or several teams down the line. Because if that injury is so egregious and what they did with a third stringer, even though their second stringer would come back beating a top 15 Louisville team with 10 wins, if that was so egregious, they shouldn't have been ranked fifth. 
Um, yeah, and here's my thing. John, we appreciate the call. It's always good to hear from you, man. Thanks so much. Um, the thing about it is I kept saying this, man. I kept saying that they were never, ever, 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 ever going to leave the SEC out of this four-team playoff because, A, there would always be an argument for one of them to be in there, and they've been in it ever since it was created in the first year back in 2014, right? There's always been an SEC team there, and it's always made sense. But, and there were times, Uncle T-Bone, where you had an argument for two SEC teams to get into the college football playoff with just four total teams. That's how good this conference has been. But the playoff committee... And, and and I don't know if if the if rigged is the word for me, but it was it just makes too much sense for them. It makes too much sense for them and everything on the back end for the SEC not to be invited to the party. I mean it's it's the it's the pretty girl that everybody likes, except when they don't because she brings all the money and the fame and the paparazzi with her, and she's what makes the party big. She's what makes the party pretty, right? And the SEC was always going to be there unless utter chaos happened. Unless Georgia lost to Georgia Tech, if Auburn beat Alabama, and then whatever happened, Alabama beat Georgia. If both teams were two losses, then no, they probably would have let them out because they wouldn't have had a legitimate argument to put them in. But here's the thing. I think Alabama had the argument to get in, and I think Georgia had the argument to get in as well, so the, the college football playoff committee, in their eyes, they were fine. They were fine because they're like, oh, thank goodness. They were like, thank goodness Alabama wins this game or Georgia wins this game. They were in a no-win or a no-lose situation in the side of getting the SEC in. And so to answer your question, John, if Auburn had beaten Alabama in the Iron Bowl like they should have and Alabama would have beaten Georgia, I still think Georgia would have gotten in and the SEC would have still been represented. Do you think that I, – man, I don't know. Yeah, I, you're probably right. I, do you think that there was any chance that, that Florida State would have – if Georgia would have won Saturday, that Florida State would have got in over Texas? Say that again. If Georgia would have won the SEC championship game on Saturday, mm-hmm. all right, and taking care of business against Alabama. Right. Do you think that they'd have slid Florida State in there to go up against them or and, and drop Texas out? Or, or that you really believe that's how the rankings – played out the way they so then the discussion would have been texas or florida state right because it would have been georgia michigan washington as your undefeated conference champs do you think there would have been a different discussion about Hmm. florida state i mean with the big Hmm. 12 team not having quite the pizzazz that that the sec does like we like to talk about right and texas do you think it would have turned to well texas had a weird loss to oklahoma you know, or and you can make your playoff just the four undefeated Power Five right. champs, right? It's a really interesting question. I, I think that the conversation would have changed. I really do. You think and they would have put Florida State in? I do. I, just because because they had their SEC wild child in, right? Yeah. They had the other two undefeateds in. Right. It would have made sense just to slide them in there, and I think there would have been almost no arguments there. What if anybody listening right now? Give us a call. If that would have been the situation, if Georgia had beaten Alabama and they put Florida State in, it was four of the undefeated Power 5 champions. Would anybody have a problem with that? Would anybody be upset that Alabama or Texas didn't make it in? I don't think so. I think everybody would have been fine because 
they those four teams would have done what they were supposed to do. That's a really good what yeah. if. Look at you playing the what if game. I, I think my favorite game. My I, favorite game. I think to ensure putting in Alabama over Florida State an undefeated Power Five conference champion, they had to put Texas in. They had to drag Texas along mm-hmm. because. What if they to correct? Put, what yes. if they to put Alabama in and Florida State? Oh my gosh! Then people would have really gone crazy on the head to head. They'd have made head to head on the field no matter what time of year, which I think is a ridiculous argument. I think it's absolutely insane to say, well, it's a different team and blah blah blah. That's ridiculous. I'm with you, and they, I like the way you worded it. They Texas dragged drag Alabama them. with them. That's a great way yeah. to put it because you couldn't put one in without the other. Well, you couldn't put Alabama in without Texas because I would have given up on the whole system completely. I'm cons- I'm still considering it, but I right. would have given up on it, and most people would have as well. But yeah, so I they, think it. They yeah. halfway got it home with an F- S- uh, SEC team, right? They halfway got what they wanted by bringing the other half from the Big Twelve. But if you'd already had the SEC team in there, I think the Big Twelve would have got shooed away because if you had three undefeated BCS level uh i mean excuse me a power five conference champions how could you leave the fourth out you would have had to just thrown them in there just to say you did and everybody would have been fine with that and that would have been the right thing to do and the college football playoff committee would be they would probably be praised right now they'd be praised right now instead of being drugged through the mud by everybody and their brother as they should Great question. That's really good. I like that. 334-321-1390. We've blown past the break. we got to get to it. We'll be back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle Tebow, and I'm Jacob Goins. Be sure you go and check out the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge. They do a wonderful job. Great drinks, great food. Uh, Maybe a little chilly for the Plaza Patio, but they got an inside stuff going on. Bunch of TVs and great deals. Happy hour from 4 to 6 each weekday. Brunch on Sundays if you have too many the night before. I mean, there's no other place to be than the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge. Over on located 800 Main Street in Midtown, just off of Opelika Road and the nice white buildings over there across from Niffer. So go and check them out at the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge. We appreciate them being our wonderful studio sponsor each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN. Well, you sparked a good conversation. I'm so proud of you from the What If game. And it was a great question. I'm proud of myself. You should be, man. Hey, I bet they got space heaters out there on that Plaza Bar. They probably do. They probably do. In fact, I know they do. Hey, I love love this kind of weather. I'll sit outside (laughs) in this weather all day. Now, some people down here may not like it as much. But it is what it is. It's all right in spurts. That's right. Well, we got a couple of minutes before uh, we take another break, and we'll have Austin Hannon of Bama Central join us on the phone lines, get his thoughts on all of this stuff, and some Alabama basketball as well as we continue with Rivalry Wednesday. But let's talk some more uh, on the transfer portal stuff. We had gotten into it a lot in hour number one about the guys for Auburn that have entered, and just you named off the quarterbacks earlier that were in the transfer portal. And Uncle T-Bone, since we went live today, we made the announcement a few minutes into the show that Tyler Fromm, the tight end from Auburn, had entered the transfer portal. Since then, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven players in the last hour, hour and fifteen, 
have entered their names into the transfer portal. I mean, this thing is, it's like the wild, wild west out here, man. There's just, they're coming from every angle, every school, every hour, every minute, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm looking over at 247sports.com, uh, the Auburn Undercover site. Uh, the uh, We talked about it earlier. They have, uh, 24-7 has a uh, football transfer team rankings right now. Okay, and listen to these rankings, and, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. Rank number one so far in the portal taking people is Kentucky, then Minnesota, Cal, Notre Dame, Virginia, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, North Carolina, and Louisville. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jacob, from here on out, you do not want to be on that list. You do not want your team to be in that top ten. In, unless you got one player and he's like the best player in the portal and that's why you won the transfer rankings. Because none of those team, teams next year will compete for a national title except maybe Notre Dame, in my opinion. I think that's a – it's a hot take, but I like it. I like it because – and I'm glad you threw in the part about, well, unless you get that home run guy, which typically right. is a quarterback, and some people can make the argument that that is Kentucky with them being number one. Uh, because they got the commitment from Brock Vandergriff, the backup quarterback from Georgia, the borderline five-star. So, yeah, I mean, look, what does it say about your program if you're bringing in 20 guys from the transfer portal and you have the best-ranked guys out of the portal? I mean, is that a good thing or no. not so much? And we, Hey, we saw Colorado. That's who they were in the last offseason, and we saw how that worked out. They got four wins, and their whole team's leaving again. Now, a team like Arkansas may need the portal – or they will need the portal like Auburn needed the portal this this past season to stabilize their roster. But at best, that's going to get you to the Liberty Bowl. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to compete for national championships if your team is consistently in the top 10 of the football transfer rankings. You want to be in the top 10 consistently in the Rankings for top high school football players. Bingo. There it is. That's where you want to be. And occasionally, if you need a player, right, like a, a wide receiver. Now, I will. there's a caveat to that. I do think a team in a program like Auburn will consistently take offensive and defensive linemen just just over the next four or five years. And I think I think that a team like Auburn will always take offensive linemen because I think I'd rather have a guy that's played offensive line in college football and have them for a couple of years than just taking all freshmen coming in. There is a mix there, but I'm telling you, you do not want to be on this list moving forward year in, year out. You're not going to have a high-level elite roster if you're doing that. The transfer portal is wide open right now. And they call it 24-7 sports for a reason, man. you got to be up 24-7 to keep up with this transfer portal right now. It's wild, man. And it will continue to roll. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the college football playoff and some college basketball in regards to the Alabama Crimson Tide with Austin Hannon of Bama Central for our second part of Rivalry Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. He'll join us when we come back. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It is Rivalry Wednesday on ESPN 106.7. He is Uncle T-Bone. And I'm Jacob Goins, and we welcome in Austin Hannon of Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama over in Tuscaloosa. Austin, we appreciate your time, man. Know it's a busy day for you uh, working and in the personal life as well, so we appreciate your time on a Wednesday. Absolutely, guys. It's good to be here. Well, let's jump into it. we got a lot to get to. We'll talk a little football. We'll talk a little basketball as well. Um, We'll start with the SEC championship game. We're going to get to the playoff and all that stuff coming up, but the SEC championship game in itself, you told us last week, Austin, that there was a weird vibe around Tuscaloosa, a weird feeling with the Alabama fans about the SEC championship game and what could come afterwards, but... Crimson Tide get a big win that obviously led to bigger things, but the game itself, Alabama wins 27-24. What did you see from the Crimson Tide on Saturday in Atlanta? Yeah, it just felt like uh, one of those Alabama-Georgia matchups we've seen in the past where you know people talk about, I mean, obviously Georgia was the favorite and um, they're coming off the two championships, but I, it, there's just something. There's something about Kirby Smart not being able to get over that Nick Saban hump, other, other than, of course, the one time a couple years ago it just he, it just seems like every time these two teams play, they're, they're, the stakes are so big and everything, and it just seems like Alabama always outcoaches Georgia somehow. It just it just seems like it goes that way. I, I don't know why. Um, and in, in Atlanta too. I mean, I was there. It was probably sixty five percent, maybe even seventy percent Georgia fans. Um, and so that's it, a tough game to win for Alabama. But time and time again over the years, we've seen them just kind of go into Atlanta. And just it seems like never lose. They're, they're a perfect eight zero at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Uh, they had a pretty darn good record at the Georgia Dome too before they tore that down. So it's just the continued success in Atlanta, and um, I think David did a really good job this last week of kind of telling the players that look, if you win this game, if you play the way you're supposed to do, if you execute, the committee's not going to be able to leave you out, right? I mean, just don't focus on anything like that. Focus on your practice. Focus on your performance against this team, and if you do those things, you'll win the game, and you know, let everything else take care of itself. So. Um, I, I think they came in with that mindset, and because of that, I mean, they, they were able to beat a really good football team that I don't think played bad. I don't think either team played bad. It just felt like Alabama made more of the big winning plays down the stretch, like we've seen them do, you know, down the stretch of the season here. I mean, they did it in Auburn uh, a couple weeks ago, and they did it last week in Atlanta. So um, an, an unbelievable coaching job this year by, by Coach Saban, and uh, once again, Alabama's on top of the SEC. Yeah, I mean, has Saban ever lost an SEC championship game, Austin? One time. It was to Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer back That's in 2008. Right. Yep, in his uh, second when, season. When the Florida Gators went on to win the win the national title. And then, of course, they got the revenge the year after when, when Tebow was infamously crying on the sidelines. So, Alabama's moving on. January 1st, Rose Bowl against Michigan. Real quick, what's the – What's the practice schedule for this? What's the travel schedule for this? Because I know uh, time flies by. It seems like the older I get, it accelerates. But that's still a pretty good ways away. Yeah, so that, I think they gave – or and they're, obviously I don't work within the team, but I, I think they get a little bit of time off here um, early this week to kind of, first of all, reset uh, because it's a, it's a completely different season now, right? I mean, you're going from – the long stretch from back in September and it just ended this weekend. Now you finally have a big break to kind of prepare yourself. And, and what coach Saban calls it is a one game season. Um, so they're going to be pre- preparing for Michigan. Like it's the national title game uh, because you've got all this time in between that you can focus just on Michigan 
Um, and of course, you, you want to have a little bit of preparation just in case you win the game and make the national title for the other two teams that are playing. Uh, obviously, you saw Texas early in the year. Um, and of course, Washington has had a great season. So I think that's kind of in the back of their mind. But I, th- I think the players get a little bit of time off. Um, and then they'll start kind of hitting it hard before Christmas. And then I, I believe the players will probably get to go home for Christmas for a couple of days. And then right after that, it's probably travel out to, out to Pasadena because um, I'll actually be heading out there on the 27th. So nice. um, I'll be in Nashville with family for Christmas. And then a couple of days after, I'll be flying out there. Uh, so, yeah, I think their, their schedule is about the same. I think they're going to get a little bit of time off. Um, of course, there's going to be a couple guys. We saw Tyler Buckner hit the portal the other day. Um, on, this morning, Alabama lost the coach. Coleman Hutzler off its staff. It looks like he's going to go be the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State now. Um, so there's a little bit of changes going on during this little period where uh, David likes to say he likes to kind of play uh, teacher and, and kind of sit in his office and have office hours. And if guys want to come talk to him about, you know, their role moving forward or, hey, I, I'm thinking about going to the portal. Where do you think I should go and how should I do this? And um, so I, I think they're kind of doing that early this week and, and trying to sort those things out. But I tweeted that earlier in the week. I, I don't think we're going to see the max exodus of players until – Alabama season comes to an end just because I mean, they're playing for a lot. And that, that goes with Hutzler, too. I don't think he's going to be uh, moving on to full-time in Starkville until this thing gets wrapped up either because, I mean, this, this program's got a lot to play for uh, still in the season. And so uh, I think everybody knows that within. Well, there's no surprise that another Alabama uh, assistant coach heading off to take another job somewhere else coming out of the Nick Saban tree, and and I'm sure he'll be a head coach someday somewhere, right? That's typically how it works with the Nick Saban coaching staff. We're talking with Austin Hannon of Bama Central here on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. The Final Four is set. Alabama found their way in. They're the number four seed. They'll take on number one Michigan. Of course, on the other side, Washington and Texas. Your early feelings and thoughts about the match up with Michigan Austin and then a potential of either rematch with Texas or taking on undefeated Washington with a potential Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback yeah I think it's great I think the playoff that we got is is amazing I think it's gonna be two really good football games um and obviously I think we're going to talk about in a minute but there was really no right answer on Sunday morning um and of course everybody's got different opinions I think everybody is on the same opinion that there was no doubt who the better football team is it's just it was a matter of, are we really going to vouch? And I, I, I talked about it on this show about how I believe Florida State should be in the playoff if they were to win out. And um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, now that I've, I've seen it and everything happened and, you know, not everybody expected for Alabama to beat Georgia. And I'm sure the playoff committee uh, would have not liked them to just because it made the, the decision so hard for them. But there was really no right answer. And I think at the end of the day, it just kind of became like, I don't know. I, I think it was hard to ignore what happened on championship Saturday when Alabama beats a team that's won 29 straight games. And then you kind of turn on the TV later in the night and Florida state is hard, you know, struggling to get a first down and, you know, it's a punt battle with Louisville and it's kind of just gross. And I, I think when you watch those games and Boo Corgan is sitting there and saying, if I put Florida state in the playoffs, I just don't think there's any way that I can explain myself in the morning based off what we've seen today. And so I was still a little bit surprised that they did go with Alabama in the four spot. And I think because of that, it created two great matchups in the semifinals. And um, I think that Washington-Texas game down in New Orleans is going to be a great football game. Obviously, we know what Washington's got. You know, they've got Michael Penix. They've got a great offense. Um, They've kind of been the underdog warriors all year with nobody really believing in them. And they had some close games. And uh, everybody expected Oregon to beat them in the rematch. And, of course, they went to Las Vegas and beat them again. So, 
Um, I wouldn't be doubting the Huskies right now. And, and with Texans, I think they're kind of starting to hit their stride again that we saw early in the season when they went to Tuscaloosa and won. Um, you know, they got Quinn Ewers back, and they kind of had to get his feet under him again. And, and these last few games, in that finale against Texas Tech and then the Big 12 title game, I think they looked really dominant on offense again. So uh, that game should be great. And, of course, I mean, it doesn't get any better than Alabama-Michigan, Nick State and Jim Harbaugh at the Rose Bowl. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, draw up TV ratings, trying to draw up interest in the college football playoff, I don't think there's a bad idea going with the two big, two of the biggest brands in the sport in Pasadena. So uh, it should be a great college football playoff. And, and for me personally, I mean, the Rose Bowl is always somewhere I've always wanted to go. Um, and so I'll, I'll get to check, check that off the bucket list here in a, in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, start heading towards the stadium early is the advice I've always been given. Uh, getting into Pasadena, into the Rose Bowl is – very difficult, and getting out of there is even worse. So uh, one-game season, you mentioned it. Alabama's been playing pretty much a one-game season since after the loss to Texas. They should be very prepared for that type of pressure. Personally, Austin, I believe that uh, Alabama got the best draw out of the uh, as opposed to the other two teams. I think that they match up very well against Michigan, and, um, and I think it would have been a little bit more difficult – uh, defensively going up against Washington and Texas. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I understand your point. I think that um, obviously those teams pose a challenge on offense, and we, we saw Texas beat Alabama earlier in the year, and you've heard people say, obviously Alabama's a different team. We'll see if uh, we do get that rematch in Houston for the championship game. But Michigan, it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting point with Michigan because you can't really knock them too much because they've dominated their schedule but the schedule hasn't been great. And so you don't really know what to expect when they come on the field on January 1st um, against a team like Alabama that's very battle-tested this year, that's been through a grind of an SEC schedule, that had to convert a 4th and 31 at Jordan-Hare Stadium, that had to beat Kirby Smart's Georgia, uh, you know, even go on the road to College Station. They suffered a loss. Like, they've been through a lot more than Michigan has. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say, you know, to knock Michigan too much. I mean, they are favored in the game as of right now. They've got a great defense. You know, J.J. McCarthy, it seems like when Jim Harbaugh's on the sideline, is a much better player, and so he will be on the sideline in the playoff, and I think that's a big impact for Michigan. I think it's a big difference. Um, we saw them kind of take care of business against Iowa. It, it's The only thing that questions me about Michigan is what we've seen in the past. It isn't going to be any different than what we've seen Michigan do in the past, which is, I mean, we've seen them go against TCU last year, which what happened to TCU against Georgia in the championship game they couldn't beat that team. They turned the ball over too much. And then they've seen Georgia in the past, which is more of what you're going to see in an Alabama team. And it just looked like they just didn't have the athletes, didn't have the physicality of a, of a premier SEC program. So uh, what, we, what we've been told from national media is that Michigan's changed and now they've got the athletes of an Alabama or a Georgia. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out on the field. But I think you make a good point just in terms of offensively. I mean, you know what Michigan wants to do. And it does kind of play into what Alabama's really good at, which is defending the run and um, getting pressure on the quarterback. And, I mean, that, that's kind of what they did to Carson Beck, and things worked out. So um, I don't think Michigan's going to really do anything that's going to blow Alabama's mind like a, like a Steve Sarkeesian or a Michael Penix in Washington would. So that, that's a good point on your part. Uh, but I, I do think it's, it's a difficult matchup for Alabama in a different way. 
Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. One more question before uh, we let you get out of here, Austin. Basketball season uh, really t- heating up with teams losing everywhere. Nobody can seem to get a grip on this season. The last four games for Alabama, lost to Ohio State, win against Oregon, lost to Clemson, who's now a top 25 team, and then uh, the route of Arkansas State. But this is the stretch we've been previewing, man. Number four Purdue this weekend. Then you play on the road at Creighton. And then you're playing Arizona in what's a, what, technically a neutral site game, but it's out in in Phoenix. So you're basically playing in their sure. home gym. What, I mean, what is one and two in this stretch? Is that good enough for, for the Crimson Tide in those three games? I mean, that's the toughest stretch you're going to see all season long, man. Yeah, I think so. I think one and two fans should be very happy with that. If, I, if we're talking about what the, the expectation, uh, the expectation is probably 0-3. I mean, I know Creighton's been having a couple hiccups. Uh, they lost one game. They've been playing not great, but that's a true road game, like you mentioned. you got to deal with Purdue, which has Zach Eady, which Alabama has no answer inside right now defensively. Um, and that was before Nick Pringle got suspended, which he will be back this weekend. So just a, a one-game suspension for Nick Pringle. But Alabama on defense has been a big struggle, and, and Purdue scores the basketball just about better than anybody in the country, um, including on the inside where Alabama really has no front. You know, there's no Charles Batiaco there anymore, and it's been a huge issue so far this season. So um, it, it's a big mismatch going against Edie, and then, you know, you got to go to Creighton. And then, like you said, neutral site game, not really. It's in Phoenix. Um, I would say that's very much an Arizona home game. Uh, and that, that's going to have its own challenge. I mean, they're undefeated. They're number one in the country. They have a win against Duke and Cameron Indoor. So I, I think the expectation is, is probably 0-3. Um, and I think anything better than that is a success. I think if you go 1-2, and it's a success. And even if you lose all three, if you go in there, I mean, obviously you'd be 6-5, and five, right? Which is you look up at the standings and you say, whoa, 6-5 and five is not what you expected, you know, to see out of this program this early in the season. But it, it, it just kind of is a testament to the scheduling that Nate Oates likes to do. I mean, he, he wants them to learn their lessons early in the season. Uh, and they're going to learn a few more. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think one win is a positive. If you somehow get two out of three, I think you're jumping on the bed, uh, jumping on the ceiling. And uh, it's, you, there's no way you go 3-0, so I'm not even going to put that into anybody's head. <laughs> uh, but even, even if you go 0-3, if you get some of the stuff that you see some things that you like to see. Mm-hmm. You see good, you know, the guys competing and, and playing well against these really high-profile programs. Then you can take away wins from an zero and three. But I think the mindset from fans is is win one, and you know, if we can win two, then that would be the best thing in the world. But uh, try to get one, and then you know, just improve as a basketball team, right? I mean, it, it's, it's still December. Um, college basketball is never won in December. It's never won in November. It's not even one in January. Um, everybody knows that in basketball, it, it's a march towards March, and you want to be playing your best basketball once you get there, like Alabama was pretty much last year. Um, and right now, you know, you're not really worried about missing the tournament. So losing games in college basketball doesn't really, it, it, it's not, it doesn't affect you like it does obviously in, in football and maybe other sports, because you can kind of take lessons in these losses and just your resume alone with with playing teams like this three straight games, it's going to boost you regardless. So. Um, there's no concern in that part. It, it's more about more learning about what this team's going to be because right now it, it's still a little bit clouded. Um, I think they've been a little bit underwhelming so far, but they did look a little bit better on the defensive end, um, albeit against Arkansas State. But um, we'll see. We'll see what they've got. The good news for Alabama is uh, you got Purdue on Saturday, then you've got a whole week off before you go to Creighton. Right. And then you got, you know, four or five more days off before Arizona. So it's three games in like 12 days. 
so I, I think they'll have enough time to prepare and rest in between each one, which should give them a lot of help. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us every Wednesday here on ESPN 106.7 for Rivalry Wednesday. Man, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time uh, as you do every single week. Let everybody know where they can find you and all your great coverage on the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama, BamaCentral.com. That's right, BamaCentral.com. You nailed it. Um, and if you want to follow along with Twitter, I'm Austin Hannon underscore, and that's about it. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much for your time. We'll get back with you next week, okay? Absolutely, guys. Thanks. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Go check him out. Great Alabama coverage. I bring these guys on here because people care about what's happening in Athens. They care about what's happening in Tuscaloosa. And Jordan Hill and Austin Hannon are the best ones in the business. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, he is Uncle Tebow and I'm Jacob Goins. We got a few more minutes here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Big thanks to Jordan Hill and to Austin Hannon, uh, Jordan Hill with Dogs 247, the Georgia 247 Sports site, and Austin Hannon with Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated Alabama site, for joining us as they do each week for Rivalry Wednesday, talking college football playoff, talking transfer portal, talking college basketball, and man, that is one of the brutalest schedules and stretches of games you're ever going to see in college basketball. It doesn't even get that tough in the NCAA tournament, man. That is number four Purdue at number 10 Creighton and basically at number one Arizona and back-to-back-to-back games for the Crimson Tide. I don't think any Auburn fans feel bad for them. Yeah, breaks my heart. (laughs) But that's a, look, man, that's a tough stretch for an Alabama team that's kind of been up and down this year, so. Yeah, they've had some issues. uh, Definitely missing some big play inside. Obviously, when you have Brandon Miller, the game, your team looks a little bit better, especially in non-conference play like it did last year. Mm-hmm. Missing the big man and Charles Bianco. I can't even pronounce Betty his name. Thank yep. you very much, Jacob. Uh, I will have to disagree. I do remember Auburn playing Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Virginia in stretches. But there you go. For uh, not being – I can't remember many tournament uh, stretches being as tough for teams in the SEC as what they have. Playing that game uh, against Purdue, I believe, in Canada. Is that right? Are they playing that up in Toronto? Uh, I will have to check that. I don't so, know. So, you know, that's a that's a heck of a... Real, yeah, you're right. It is in Toronto. Real quick, we haven't checked in on our Dayton Flyers. Go, uh, go I'm noticing, Dayton Flyers! Yeah, that's our, and I've got another team that I'm watching that I like a lot, too, Jacob. I think you've mentioned them. Go ahead. FAU there it is. and Dusty May. That guy is a heck of a coach. Look, they're in high cotton for FAU playing in the Jimmy V tournament last night, going up against Illinois. That's an Illinois team that's really good playing Tennessee this week on Saturday on yes. CBS Sports. I guess CBS Sports still has SEC basketball for the time being. Yeah, well, that's that's a good FAU team, man. Of course, one coming off of a Final Four. Yeah. They've got some talent, man. And that's yeah. a, he's a great coach. He You're is absolutely a right great about coach. That. I've done some research on him. I'll have more for that as basketball season moves forward. But I believe they'll play North Carolina tonight and then UConn. So, so in the Jimmy V this year, it was UConn, Illinois, North Carolina, 
and FAU. That's saying something about their program. But from the great state of Alabama on December 9th, my friend, Troy University at Dayton. That's must-watch basketball for Uncle T. Let's go, Flyers. Let's go. Hey, Flyers are 6-2 and two on the year, baby. 6-2, yeah. and two, man. Got to love it. College basketball has been drunk this year, and if you're not keeping up with it, you should. You have Texas and Marquette tonight, South Carolina and Clemson tonight, and a bunch of other games hey, as well. and then Auburn and Indiana Saturday. We will both be there. Yep. I'll, you'll be covering the games. I'll be in the stands drinking cold snacks and booing Indiana. How there about you that? Go. How about that? We'll talk some more about that as the week goes on. Talk more transfer portal and a whole lot more. That'll be tomorrow on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Until then, two to four here on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.